A leaked memo written by a top Bank of America economist has revealed in explicit terms the strategy of the capitalist class. Cause as much suffering among workers as possible to rebalance the economy in favor of the rich. As the U.S. begins to experience an intentionally caused recession, it is now even clearer that this is a matter of class struggle. We need a new system. We need a new society. We need to demand that which may have sounded impossible even a few weeks ago, but is not only realizable, but an imperative necessity. Excited to have Professor Richard Wolf join us for a regular weekly segment where we discuss the biggest stories relating to the economy, the state of the working class, and the crimes of big business. I'm Walter Smolarik, filling in for Brian Becker. The Socialist Program brings you content three days a week thanks to the support of our patrons at patreon.com slash the socialist program. We appreciate all of your support and encourage you to become a patron today if you enjoy listening to the show. Richard Wolff is the co-founder of the organization Democracy at Work and the author of many books, the latest being The Sickness is the System, When Capitalism Fails to Save Us from Pandemics or Itself. You can check out all of his work at rdwolf.com. Well, Professor Wolf, a few days ago, The Intercept published a leaked memo. It was written by Ethan Harris. He's the head of Global Economics Research for the investing arm of Bank of America, Bank of America Securities. And he laid out in pretty explicit terms that they hope, Bank of America hopes, and I think we can infer by extension the capitalist class hopes, that as much economic suffering as possible is inflicted on the working class by the policies of the Federal Reserve, essentially. Tell us a little bit more about this memo and what it means. Yes, it's one of those wonderful uh, moments when the people who run this economic system, like Mr. Harris at Bank of America, and he's not so much a runner as a top servant of the runners. He, he does analysis. He doesn't make the big decisions. But it's wonderful when they get caught up in their own small circle of people, analysts like themselves and their bosses who do make the decisions, the CEO at Bank of America, the major shareholders of stock in Bank of America, and all of them. It's just wonderful when they forget that economics has always had two functions. Number one, to help the people in charge of the system understand how it works so that they can control and use it to their own advantage. And the other function of economics is to make a completely different story, the public image of what is going on. In other words, you've got to know what's actually happening to run it properly, but you also have never to forget that there's a different story you have to tell the public. Otherwise, you run the risk that if the public actually knows what you're doing, it won't tolerate it. That is the problem here. 
and what we have in Mr. Harris and his bosses at Bank of America, they know exactly what they have. They have a problem called inflation right now, largely of their own doing, but they don't care about whose fault it is. They care about fixing it. And how do you fix it? They want to be able to make profits without raising prices. They want the system to work that way. They want to have all the benefits of capitalism without its flaws, like inflation. How do you get that result? Well, they know. The way you stop employers from raising prices, and let's never forget, it's the employers who set prices in a capitalist economy. So if you have an inflation, the first responsibility lies with the employers who raise the prices. Nobody else does that. Well, they want workers' wages to stop rising. They would like workers' wages to perhaps fall a little bit. That will allow them to make nice profits without having to raise prices. So the question for them becomes, how can we go about undercutting workers, either prevent them from raising wages or stabilize their wages, or even best of all, lower their wages so that we can then get back to a capitalism with, quote, stable prices that's as, at least as profitable as what we're now milking the system for as we jack up the prices. So that's what they have to do. And that's what Mr. Harris is interested in at Bank of America. And he knows that they're getting the job done. How? Well, the job is the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve is raising interest rates. It raised it in July by three quarters of a point. It raised it a few weeks before that by another three quarters of a point, and it is threatening to raise it further in the months ahead. And here's what that'll do. Raising interest rates makes it more expensive to borrow money. That's simple. The hope is that individuals who are currently in debt on their credit card, on their car payments, on their home mortgages, on their college loans, will be very eager to reduce that debt because it's now more expensive. If they were thinking of buying a car, they won't. If they were thinking of buying a home with rising mortgage interest rates, they won't. In other words, Mass demand for goods and services will go down. Likewise, a few businesses will be unable to borrow money at a high interest rate, so they won't, and therefore they won't expand either. They won't carry through their plan to hire more workers because they had planned to pay for that with borrowed money. And with the interest rates higher, the borrowed money is more expensive, so they won't do it. When you put all that together, the demand for workers will go down because the public isn't borrowing to buy things and a few employers, particularly small and medium ones, will not be able to carry through their purchase and their hiring plans because money is too expensive to borrow. And therefore, if workers 
are not needed to produce what's not being purchased anymore, then we're going to see unemployment rise. Very quickly, workers will realize that they are now excess. There are more of them looking for work than there are jobs available. That will allow employers to threaten publicly or privately workers. You better do as I say, work harder, work faster, come sooner, take a shorter break, whatever it is. Because if you don't, you know, there's lots of people out there, you know, who want a job, you know, and I could give them yours, you know, and so workers will not demand higher wages the way they might have. They will not be pushing as hard for unions as they have been because they're afraid. And Mr. Harris at the Bank of America says, great, the more fearful we make them, the faster we raise interest rates and slam down the brakes on this economy, making people unwilling and unable to borrow, making small businesses unwilling, unable to borrow. The sooner we'll have an excess of people looking for work, and the sooner we'll be able to turn around the wages. And if we do that, and if we knock down the wages, well, then we can go to all the capitalists like us and say, look, with lower wages, with wages not rising anymore, you don't have to raise prices to make nice profits. You can reduce your price increases because you're basically boosting profits by lowering workers' wages. Look, this is the way capitalism has always worked. This is the way it is working now. But you're not supposed to say it in these terms. If you take a course in economics, you learn that, oh, we have an inflation by some mysterious reasons, things nobody understands like supply chain disruptions, or maybe the Federal Reserve pumped in too much money, or maybe it's the war in Ukraine, or maybe you come up with every kind of reason other than how the system always works. That's your job. Tell a story to the mass of people that avoids the clear hostility of the employer class that wants to solve whatever problems it imposes on the economy on the backs of the working class. There's nothing new here, but there is a different story that Mr. Harris didn't understand he was supposed to tell especially in a memo that might leak out into the world. My last point is to make sure that everyone understands how well this is organized in America. And the way to do that is to tell you a story about the economics profession. I've been a professor of economics all my adult life. I really know very intimately what I'm about to tell you. Economics is a unique profession. Why? Because every college and university in this country, pretty much, with very few exceptions, has an economics department. But what's really bizarre is that a vast number of these colleges and universities, particularly the universities, also have what is, in effect, a second economics department. 
Other disciplines don't have two. They have, there's one history department, there's one literature department, there's one biology department. No, 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 two economics departments. One of them is called economics, and one of them is called business or business school or school of management. Now, in fact, both of them are about the capitalist economy we live in but they really do have different functions. If you go to business school, you actually learn how a business works. Marketing, advertising, personnel, production, technology, management, and all of the real hard knocks business reality. You go to economics department, you get a completely different curriculum. That's where I've taught all my life. And what most of my colleagues are busy doing is presenting a rationalization, a celebration of capitalism. The courses are all about how capitalism is efficient, how capitalism is equitable, how capitalism grows faster than other systems. All kinds of wonderful claims about capitalism and celebrating its remarkable qualities. In other words, the job of economics is to justify the system. The job of the business school is to tell you how it really works. The memo that got leaked is a memo written by and for people who want to know how it really works because they're in charge of it. The economic story, which tells you about how interest rates are the way you deal with an inflation and how deficit spending is how you deal with a recession, and all of these abstract terms that the majority of people don't even understand, let alone connect them in any way to their lived experience. That's why you go to work every day, you know exactly how capitalism works because you depend on it and you're in it five out of seven days of every week as an adult. But when you hear economics on the radio or television, your brain tunes out because you too understand that what's being told to you, Mr. and Mrs. Public, is a completely fanciful story that makes it all seem reasonable when your daily life teaches you, like the memo from Bank of America, the exact opposite. Well, thank you for that explanation, Professor Wolf. I mean, that's all extremely important information and one you definitely won't get reading the business press. I want to dig down a little bit deeper into the point you are making about employment specifically, because this was something that factored in very heavily into this Bank of America memo that we're talking about. So here's one line from the memo. By the end of next year, we hope the ratio of job openings to unemployed is down to the more normal highs of the last business cycle, meaning we hope there are less jobs out there. Why is that so important? I mean, what's with this fixation on, you know, in their terms, the tightness or the slackness of the labor market? We've talked on this show a lot about you know, the so-called great resignation, how many, many workers in the wake of the coronavirus pandemic have been quitting their jobs. And, you know, that's a form of bargaining. But also we've talked a lot about the wave of unionization that's been sweeping the country and the amount of enthusiasm that's out there 
for labor unions that really hasn't existed in decades, probably. Talk about that a little bit, if you will. I mean, this is really like a political thing about the class struggle. Absolutely. When there is reasonably full employment, and we have a higher level of employment now than we have had, say, for most of the period of the last half century since the end of of World War II. There are good reasons for that. Chief among them has been that the real wages of American workers have been stagnant for 40 years, have gone nowhere. Productivity, what workers produce per hour of their work, has gone up literally every year over the last 50. And remember, productivity simply measures how much output your labor gives to your employer, whereas the real wage tells you how much in the way of real goods and services your employer pays you to work there. If the case is, and this is the reality, for 40 years, your real wage has been stagnant, that is what the employer gives the average American worker hasn't gone up in terms of goods and services you can afford to buy, but what you give the employer in terms of the output of goods and services per hour of your work keeps going up, well, then we have the explanation for the inequality in our society, the enormous growth of inequality, unbelievable wealth at the top of 1%, and economic strain for the vast majority of us at the other end, and a boom in the stock market only making that worse. Why? Because you have used the unemployment that we've had to drive down wages, and then as capitalism works, with wages going nowhere, either being flat or going down, you make it more and more profitable for employers to hire workers because they're cheaper. There's nothing mystical or special about this. So we have a situation where the real wages of workers have gone nowhere for 40 years. Productivity has gone up. Profits are being raked in. So employers are willing to hire people as long as they can pay them crappy wages, you know, 10 an hour, which is not enough to live a, a decent life in our society. But now you have the absurd capitalist problem. The way it takes advantage of the working class then comes back to bite the capitalists in the rear end. Why? Because when there's low unemployment, when only three or 4% of the workers are out of work at any time, the employer discovers that he can't discipline his workers the way he once did. If he really tries to make them work harder than ever while paying them less well than ever, well, then they'll quit. That's the great resignation you just mentioned. They'll quit and they'll go find an employer that doesn't treat them that way. And if the next one does, they'll quit again. And that's what we're seeing. And you're also seeing workers decide that maybe even better strategy than quitting is to say to an employer who demands out of you absurd amounts of work for very low pay, we're not going to tolerate this. We're going to form a union and you're going to have to deal with us as a group and we will strike and do all the things labor is entitled to do to get a better deal. This freaked out 
the capitalist class in America. They want this stopped. It's they who brought the inflation. It's they who hired workers in huge numbers. But now the very problems they brought on themselves by means of of their profit-seeking, they want to fix it. And of course, not at their own expense, not at giving up anything that they've been able to do. No, they want to smash down the willingness of workers to quit the willingness of workers to strike, to unionize. And how do you do that? By making an excess of workers, by slowing the economy down, which is what raising interest rates by the Fed achieves. You slow the economy down, workers start losing their jobs, new young workers entering the labor force find it harder and harder to find jobs because the economy has been slowed down by the rising interest rates. And now the employer will be in a stronger position to tell the worker, shut up, do what I tell you, or I'll fire you and turn to any one of those other people that have now become available. The preferred way to solve the inflation brought on by capitalists turns out to be to whack the working class down so that it accepts lower wages. And the irony of it all, if you actually do this, if it works, if the working class knuckles under and accepts a declining wage or a lessening in the increase of their wages, given an inflation now running over 9%, you're basically condemning the working class to a fast declining standard of living. Capitalism has brought all of this onto itself It can spend endless amounts of time blaming China, blaming the Ukraine, blaming immigrants, whatever scapegoats they can come up with. But as the leaked memo shows, the capitalists whacking the very workers they depend on is the preferred way to go. One other area that I wanted to touch on before we end, Professor Wolf, is the U.S. economy in a recession? The commonly accepted definition of a recession is when the economy shrinks for two quarters in a row. And after the last GDP numbers were released a few days ago, that is now the case. The economy shrunk in the first quarter of this year and also in the second quarter of this year. So that's a recession by most people's definition. But the Biden administration is saying, no, 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 we're not really in a recession. What's behind all of this controversy over whether or not a recession currently exists in the United States? It's basically an utterly childish debate. But it's the kind of debate that our political leaders seem to understand, seem to know, and they don't show any embarrassment, as they should, about what they're doing. If you're the president, if your political party is in power, then what you want to stress, that's the way our leaders work, is whatever good news there is about the economy. And what you want to hide or minimize or disparage is any bad news. In other words, our leaders are like advertisers. If a company hires an advertiser, the advertiser knows that what the job of the advertiser is, is to go out into the public and rave about whatever virtues 
the commodity the company makes has and to hide or lie about all of the defects. Nobody expects otherwise from advertisers. That's their job. They hype the positive and then deny or negate or hide the negatives. It's an ugly form of speech. It shouldn't be the dominant mode of dispute or discussion, but it is. So when Mr. Trump was in office, any bad economic news was denied, lied about. The good news was picked up and hyped in every way possible. And Mr. Biden is doing exactly the same. Absolutely. The norm has been for decades, two consecutive quarters of GDP decline, which is what we've had in the first two quarters of 2022, is a recession. But of course, it is always true that an economy being a complicated thing has always got some things going on that are positive and some things going on that are negative. The model I use is visiting a doctor. If you go to a doctor and you say, doctor, how am I doing? If the doctor sticks a thermometer in your mouth, says, oh, your temperature is 98.6, you're fine. You know enough to go to another doctor. Why? Because there are x-rays and blood tests and all kinds of efforts to collect lots of data. Some of it will point to the fact that you're healthy. Others will point to the fact that you have a problem. The job of the doctor is to honestly weigh all of the pluses and minuses to come up with a diagnosis and a plan for treatment if needed. An honest discussion of our economy wouldn't latch on to one or another particular fact That would be like the doctor with the thermometer. You take a measure of all the different things, employment, income, debts, inequality, all the things that make an economy the complexity it is, and then you come up with a balanced discussion. That would be honest to your people. That would allow them to debate what it all means. We don't do that. Our leaders are cheap advertisers. They want to hype what's good and hide what's bad. And just like advertising constantly leads Americans to buy stuff they don't need at prices they can't afford and that don't work because they were well advertised, we're getting the same quality in our economy because we let it be run by people with an advertising mentality. The reality is the United States is in very deep economic problems. That doesn't mean every detail is in trouble. It means that's an assessment overall. For example, Mr. Biden wants to point to the fact that unemployment is low. That's true. At the same time, the real wages of Americans are falling. That is, prices they have to pay are rising much faster than the wages they're earning, meaning they're falling behind in what they can afford to buy. Those two facts are both important. Mr. Biden talks endlessly about low unemployment and shies away from talking about, let alone analyzing, the horrific inequality that has gotten worse for the last 40 years and is getting worse even faster as I'm speaking to you now. So don't expect from this leadership anything other 
than BS, advertising copy, and a reality underneath both of those that involves making capitalism work for the people who own and run it at the expense of everybody else. And because of that, because that's the reality, and because it's becoming harder and harder to sell that reality to the mass of people, we are in a society that is experiencing ever-deepening strains and stresses. We're going to have to leave it right there. We've been joined by Professor Richard Wolf. He is the co-founder of the organization Democracy at Work, the author of many books. The latest is The Sickness is the System When Capitalism Fails to Save Us from Pandemics or Itself. Check out all of his work at rdwolf.com. You've been listening to The Socialist Program. We bring you content three days a week thanks to the support of our patrons at patreon.com slash the socialist program. We appreciate all of your support and encourage you to become a patron today if you enjoy listening to the show. You've been listening to The Socialist Program with Brian Becker, where we bring you news and views about the world for those who want to change it. If you enjoyed the show, subscribe on your favorite podcast app and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And watch video episodes of our in-depth show, The Real Story, every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on YouTube with our partner, Breakthrough News. We can only continue our work bringing you high-quality news, analysis, and history with the support of our listeners. Connect with us and become a patron at patreon.com slash the socialist program and receive an invitation to participate in an exclusive monthly seminar with Brian Becker. Thank you.